Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friend, welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Our goal here is to reinforce Christianity with the wisdom and words of Jesus. We have uh, plenty of reinforcement for the wisdom and words of people involved in religious uh, activities and in education and such as that, but we happen to believe that uh, the words of Jesus can do you some good. And so what we're trying to do is make you familiar with him by taking you through this little book called The Words of Jesus. And uh, this is a compilation of everything that Jesus said when he was on the earth. And so what we have is an opportunity to, as, as we learn what he had to say and learn exactly who he was, our ultimate goal is to think red ink, to think like Jesus thought, to have the mind of Christ. We're in chapter 18 of our little book now, and uh, this is entitled, Jesus Heals a Withered Hand. Jesus entered into the, con into the synagogue to teach. In attendance was a man with a withered hand. The scribes and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely to see if he would heal him since it was still the Sabbath day, thinking that they might be able to accuse him. Jesus knew their thoughts and was grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Rise up, stand forth in the midst. So I can just see the Pharisees scooting on their chairs and getting a little closer and listening. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it. When the man had done so, Jesus said, Not to the man but to the scribes and Pharisees. What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? Then Jesus said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and when it was extended, it was immediately healed and was as good as the other hand. Thereupon the scribes and Pharisees left and conferred among themselves and the Herodians as to how they might destroy Jesus. It's, it's really hard to imagine, isn't it? <laughs> but that's exactly what they did. That was their plan. Their idea was to destroy Jesus. Um, there's, uh, there's the phenomenon that is just undeniable that we are going to um, blame and in some cases try to destroy the messenger. Um, and I've heard people attach that idea to what we just read uh, and, and many things like it. But uh, Jesus was not hated or rejected or despised for bringing a message from God. Um, they, it, I, I'm sure that had something to do with it, and it was certainly their way to do 
as they destroyed every prophet that God ever sent. Uh, John asked them one time, is there a prophet that uh, we haven't uh, killed? <laughs> Can't think of one right now. But um, uh, even it's even speculated that uh, John the Baptist, wa- uh, his father, was killed. And um, for be, just being a prophet. Um, he was the son of a, of a prophet named Zacharias. Anyway, um, I think that it's too simplistic to say that they didn't like, uh, essentially, the messenger. It wasn't the messenger uh, because Jesus was not carrying a message from the Father. Jesus was the source of the message. I think they realized this. I think that for the reasons that they destroyed the prophets prior to this, he was doubly so in jeopardy because not only was he bringing, supposedly, a message from the Lord God Jehovah, but he was the the center of that message. And they saw him as a threat, as a huge threat. Matter of fact, you'll find that uh, they had no trouble saying exactly why they did not trust Jesus. They said that if he has his way, that if, 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 we, if we don't do something, this man will destroy. Now listen to these things. He says that this man will destroy our people, our place, our nation, and, uh, and the temple. Um, and we have heard him say that he has come to destroy the law of Moses. Now, because the scriptures say that they suborned men of, uh, of ill repute to come and give testimony against Jesus, we have assumed that what the men had to say was a lie that Jesus didn't come to destroy the temple, but he did. He didn't come to uh, deny the Jews access to the kingdom of God because of their DNA, but he did. Jesus didn't come to um, uh, d- to um, uh, turn the nation of Israel uh, over to a new king, which would have been him, but he did. And the accusation kept appearing in the book of Acts. You can find what I'm talking about. That, uh, that these were the purposes that Jesus came to do. He said, destroy this temple and I'll build it up in three days. Of course, he spoke about, the, about his own body. But in reality, his intention was to set the children of Israel in such a relationship with God through himself that there would be no need for a temple. And uh, this this was his goal. His goal was to set aside the law of Moses. Why would he want to set aside the law of Moses? Because the law of Moses had a particular characteristic about it in that, and we're not talking about 
the subsequent laws, the, the deuterocanical laws, were the Deuteronomy, the second law. But we're talking about even the Ten Commandments. Paul realized the plan of Jesus Christ, and we can hear it in what he says when he says that if we live in the Spirit, we are no longer under the law. Now, some of the worst trouble I ever get into with my Messianic friends is when I say that Jesus never obeyed the law. He never obeyed the law. The law was not an imposition upon Christ. Why? Because Jesus' intention wasn't to obey the law. His intention was to obey the Father. If you obey the Father and what, what we sometimes term the spirit of the law, um, uh, in other words, why the law was written and and these kind of, these are something these are uh, are things and thoughts that Jesus Christ had within himself that you can have as well, but you can only have it by way of the spirit of God. The idea that if we live in the spirit we're no longer under the law has been stretched to the point of absolute heresy in that. People say, well, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is our Sabbath. Therefore, we don't have to keep the Sabbath because he is our Sabbath. He's fulfilled the law. Therefore, we don't have to keep it anymore. Um, do you, would you like to apply that to some other commandment? Or just the Sabbath day? Did he fulfill the law of thou shalt do no murder? Well, certainly he did. Did he fulfill the law, thou shalt not commit adultery? Sure he did. Of not to steal, of not to covet. and all. Did he fulfill all these laws? Yeah. Well, then we're free to violate them? Well, no, of course not. Well, why is it that if he fulfilled the law of Sabbath, that now we are free to either keep the Sabbath or no, move it to another day, redefine it, uh, Ignore it altogether. Why is it that we've applied that to one particular commandment? Well, it's interesting to me that when the Lord was trying to prove the people of Israel and trying to prove to Moses that these people will not keep my law, Moses argued with him and said, sure they will, they'll keep, they'll keep the law. And he says, well, let's just put them to a test. Let's take the simplest, the least, the least uh, commandment I can think of that makes any demand on them is the one that demands that they do nothing. Let's give them that law. And people are surprised to hear that the Sabbath commandment was actually instituted in Israel before the Ten Commandments were given. It was the test commandment. And he told them, when you go to pick up your manna, that on, on the sixth day of the week, on Friday, you're going to get twice as much as you need because no man is going to fall on the Sabbath day. I don't want you to come out of your houses. I want you to stay there. Don't go out gathering. And, um, and in, in doing this, he was going to prove to Moses that these people are going to do whatever they want to do. Well, guess what they did? Uh, you're right. They got up on Saturday morning and they put their britches on and went out with their little bags to gather manna. 
And the Lord had to say to Moses, you see there, they're not going to keep my laws. The Sabbath commandment has always been, from its very inception until today, the test commandment. Are you going to keep God's commandments or not? Are you going to do that or not? And uh, for some reason, uh, conventional Christianity has focused on that commandment uh, to eradicate that commandment. Well, Jesus nailed the commandments to his cross. Well, he didn't nail the Ten Commandments, but let's just say that you're correct, that he nailed to his cross the Ten Commandments. Does that make us free to violate them? Um, some people say, well, no, but we can be forgiven of them. You could, uh, of violating them. And, uh, well, you can be forgiven of violating any commandment way before Jesus ever came. I mean, uh, how, how is this an argument for or against this? I, I don't understand. Listen, the truth is that the Sabbath was a commandment that the Lord gave us. It is in the ten. And we need to keep that commandment the way he said to keep it. He explained how and when and uh, in no uncertain terms. And uh, we should just keep it. What in the world is the problem? I don't understand what the problem is. Why don't we just keep it? Well, you know what we find is? It's inconvenient. It's just not, it's not a part of our society. Uh, so what are we worshiping? Our society? Our church? Denomination? Our friends? Our family? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Are we honoring God or not? Enough said about that. Um, this uh, particular time um, uh, when the Lord healed this fellow, uh, we have the Pharisees concerned about him healing on the Sabbath day. He asked them a question which is another one of the scriptures that are pulled out by the anti-Sabbath-keeping uh, Christian. The world doesn't do this, by the way. They, you know, they figure if God wants this, then that's what we need to do. And uh, many times TRI Ministries will encounter a person that has no church background whatsoever, and they look at that and they say, well, we need to keep, be keeping the Sabbath day. Yep, there you go. They have no problem with it. It's only people who are educated in the church that have all these lists of excuses. One of the excuses that uh, we use uh, on a regular, they use on a regular basis, is this idea that Jesus says, if you have an ox in the ditch, and then you, you get him out on the Sabbath day, and uh, you find people who say that, well, you know, I try to keep the commandments, and sometimes I got an ox in the ditch. Well, there's a couple of things we need to know about this. Number one, Jesus' question was explicit. Is there any one of you who won't do this? Is there any one of you who are, who are condemning me as if I am violating the Sabbath? You do worse than I do, and you don't condemn yourself. And one of the, the focal points of what he's saying is, is there any man of you that doesn't do this? Jesus was not giving us a reason not to keep the Sabbath. Because frankly, uh, I can pretty much make a, any situation in my life that's urgent at all, 
that's important at all into an ox in the ditch. But there is no, um, there's no scripture, there, there's no words of Christ, there's nothing for us to believe that it's okay to work on the Sabbath day if you have an ox in the ditch. That He says, isn't this what you say? It's not what he said. It's not what the scriptures say. They don't allow for it, but the Pharisees did. He was showing their hypocrisy, not the inconsistency of the law itself. When we have um, a, a good work to do, um, the Sabbath is a, a perfect time to do that work. Um, when when we have, I, I knew a fellow, I'll give you two examples. Uh, I knew a fellow who um, said, yeah, well, we, you know, we, used to, we used to honor the Sabbath, but, you know, I was working for a soup kitchen, and, uh, you know, these guys need to eat every day. And uh, so there was no way to keep the Sabbath day. And, uh, you know, report to this kitchen at 5 o'clock in the morning and start cooking for these people and carrying meals all over town. It was a big day, you know, and I, di- I can't keep the Sabbath day because I have to do this. And frankly, I think this is more important than keeping any ritualistic Jewish holiday. Well, first of all, I felt a, a well, for, for the first time, because these were in the early days that, that I was seeing the Sabbath in the scriptures, that someone would say, yeah, we used to do that. And I'm thinking, wow, I can't even imagine after having seen the Sabbath in the scriptures, after having the, the Lord taking time and effort to reveal this to me, that I would ever turn my back on it and say, you know, this doesn't work or won't work or can't work or for whatever reason. But this fellow was saying that I'm doing, I'm doing the Lord's work and sometimes it bleeds over into the Sabbath day. Well, you know, you have an advocate. Jesus Christ is saying, should we do good on the Sabbath day or should we do evil on the Sabbath day? Well, of course we should do good on the Sabbath day. It's a perfect day for doing that. And, uh, you know, for us to make some kind of an excuse or something that we should or shouldn't do uh, by some man's reckoning or some man's deduction uh, is a, kind of a silly thing to do. And you don't have Jesus on your side there. He's saying that, you know, there's work to be done. We, we have to loose these people of their oppressions. We have to, we have to heal on the Sabbath day. And, the, and this isn't a violation. This isn't an ox in the ditch. This is absolutely the work of God. And there's not a better day to do it. So you don't have Jesus to argue with here. Who are you arguing with? arguing with church people that that they decide what work actually is. The other example I wanted to give you was I knew a man that uh, kept the Sabbath day and he did not, would not feed his livestock on that day. So what he would do is, is Friday nights he would go out there and feed them up real good and then uh, 24 hours later after the sun went down on the Sabbath, he would feed them again. But he made them go 24 hours without food 
because he was under some constraint that his church body, uh, messianic congregation, or whatever you know his the influences were in his life, and um, had so skewed his conscience to the point that he couldn't do that in good conscience. Yet, while he's telling me this, and and I can't help but believe you know wanted to wanted me to be impressed about it. Uh, we were sitting at a table eating our lunch <laughs> that his wife had prepared all morning long, and we're sitting there eating, but his, but his livestock is uh, going without. You know, um, I don't understand the way some people think. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know how they could think that God wants you to starve your animals on the Sabbath day, or yourself. Uh, there, there's a group of people that believe that you should fast all day long on Sabbath day. Well, this actually comes from a um, from a power play from um, from we'll call it the church that uh, tried to move the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, and uh, one of the reasons why our weekends today are set aside for sports is because uh, they. They wanted the Sabbath violated, even if it was violated with sports and games and these kind of things. There was another attempt to make the Sabbath day so miserable that nobody wanted anything to do with it, and that was when they instituted fasting on the Sabbath day. This has been an issue in church history for years, and nobody seems to be able to get their footing. Nobody seems to be able to balance Nobody wants to know what the red words say. Nobody wants to know what the Son of God taught us when he got here. This is a good day to do good. And uh, I just think that it's a huge mistake to feel like that the Sabbath is some kind of a grievous thing that we have to bear um, when there's uh, really no reason for it whatsoever. Now, I am... uh, I'm I'm amazed that the scriptures can say so much about a subject and everybody hear something else. But I am convinced that because this subject is so clear in the scriptures, the word, the concept, the commandment, the examples of of the disciples that kept the the Sabbath day, uh, the, the women preparing the body of Jesus. You know, is that an ox in the ditch or not? You got a dead man that needs to be prepared for his burial. If if that's not an ox in the ditch, I don't know what in the world would be, but yet they, the Bible says, rested according to the commandment. According to the commandment. Not according to their own conscience, not according to what somebody else told them, but they rested according to the commandment. That is, that's, that's a huge testimony to modern day, uh, post-resurrection Christians, well, that wouldn't be post-resurrection, would it? But it certainly would be post-Christ. These women lived with him and was taught by him for uh, all the days of his ministry. And to say that, even after all that time, an example, and watching, and learning, and hearing, that it never came up to 
just simply ignore the Sabbath day? I don't think Jesus ever taught us to ignore it. I think he wanted us to learn how to do it right. Um, And that is to have, first of all, the attitude that the Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. And I am Lord of the Sabbath day. Many people hear, I am Lord of the Sabbath, and they think that, see, Jesus can eradicate the Sabbath if he wants to. No, (laughs) that's not what he was saying at all. Am I your Lord? I'm Lord also of the Sabbath. If I'm your Lord, I am Lord also of the Sabbath day. We're going to keep the Sabbath, friends. We're going to do that. If If you're going to keep the commandments of God, you're going to keep the Sabbath day. There's a story of Nehemiah who kept finding local, uh, well, not local, I guess they were, you know, people, uh, they were uh, merchants from other cities and such that used to come into the uh, gates of Jerusalem and sell their wares in there. And and they were, you know, they, they sold whatever they sold. And they had no concern about the Sabbath whatsoever. They couldn't care less. Well, Nehemiah said, I want those gates shut on the Sabbath day. Uh, We're not going to do business. We're not going to do commerce on the Sabbath day. So they shut the gates. So the people went there, and now they've uh, made provisions somehow so that they can camp around there and wait for the gates to open. Um, Nehemiah hollered down from the wall, you know, if you guys don't uh, get your junk and get out of here, I'm going to come down there and lay hands on you. Now, I don't think Nehemiah was offering to pray for them. (laughs) But when he said lay hands on them, he was going to move them by force. Um, Because these things really used to mean something. And um, and, and they they were honored in every situation that they could be. Um... There's also uh, a prophecy where people are making the comment about Sabbath, saying, oh, when will it not be the Sabbath so that we can do what we, what we need to do? And, um, you know, when, when will the Sabbath be over? And uh, listen, if you start keeping the Sabbath, you're going to have days like that. And you're going to remember that scripture, and you're going to understand that, uh, Wow, you're looking at this thing wrong. You're looking at it wrong altogether. This is a gift from God to us. And isn't it odd that the very people that go around talking about Jesus' salvation being a gift and, and trying to embarrass you into getting saved by saying, you wouldn't refuse one of God's gifts, would you? And you're talking to a guy who absolutely refuses the gift of the Sabbath day in many cases. Hypocrisy galore. All right. Hope you're enjoying this series, and uh, we're going to continue next time we see you. That's all for this time. Hey, will you do something for me? I need to hear from you. I need you to tell me who you are and where you are and how you're listening to this broadcast. If you have a question or a comment, send them to me at Don at ThinkRedInc.com. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing and you need to have some way of sending us paper mail, you can do that at ThinkRedInkMinistries at P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being a part of the show. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. 
Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.